Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and you are listening to the OVW Podcast, the unofficial podcast of Ohio Valley Wrestling. was the most ridiculous thing that you did on tv i know that you've i know you've talked about this shit for the last 20 years but it's i can't you know i still need clicks i still need clicks yeah yeah. so i've got a question about this later on but i want to hear your answer first i still especially now that i know how much television time costs (laughs) (laughs) and i really think back about this and i go what were they thinking because they, they would, nobody ever spoke to me the whole time I was in WWE. As far as a lot of talent, they will call you before you got to TV. Hey, we're going to do this, going to do that. They'd explain to you what they're trying to do. Why they're, they just walk up and go, oh, we need to do blah, blah, blah. Walk off. That was it. So I showed up in Orlando, Florida. And Vince Russo comes up and he goes, I need you to go out on live TV tonight. And I want you to do a eulogy for the deer head, Pierre. And, I, and then just went, take care of it, and walked off. And I went, what the hell, am, how am I going to do that? And I was on TV, national TV, for probably 11 minutes doing a eulogy for a deer head. That was up there. Um, I didn't know if you, there was a couple others I thought you might go to. That was up there. I do want to say that mm. even s- several years later, um, head and shoulders finish one of the fucking stupidest thing I've ever seen on yeah, TV. Yeah, it was a big mistake. Big, I have done big that. mistake. I shouldn't have and, done that. And, well, I only mention it to say that as a teacher and as someone who's had so much time in the business mm-hmm. and people know your career and they know the ups and downs of it. Sure. It should be really, really easy for you to ask anybody to do anything. Oh, Are yeah. there times where you get feedback from that? Negative oh, yeah, feedback? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that once in a while. Uh, sure. And, um, but I will never ask anybody to do anything I won't do myself mm-hmm. at all. And I'll tell you, uh, quite honestly, people can say whatever they want about Vince. It's, it's very much the same. Yeah. Vince will, I've, uh, you know, we had our show Christmas chaos, you know, and the, most of the boys, the talent are just pigs. I mean, they just, they don't, they're like children. They won't clean up after themselves. And, you know, I was backstage Saturday night, picking up water bottles and throwing stuff away and. And you know why? Because I watched Vince one night at an arena, and the show was done, and he's going around cleaning up the locker room and picking stuff up. And, That's incredible. You know, yeah. you know, that guy's a billionaire, you know, and he's doing it. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to be any different. He will never ask you to do something he would not do himself. Mm-hmm. I won't ever ask any of the talent to do something I wouldn't do myself or I haven't already done. And there's nothing that they could ever say that I haven't already done. Yeah. And I've already made. That's the thing. I don't teach or I don't direct based on what I know. I teach and direct based on the mistakes I've made and the experience I have. So at this point in my life, quite honestly, especially in the wrestling business, there is very, very, very few people who have the amount 
the type and or the as, as varied experience as I've had. Because I've started in the territorial days, have been a wrestler. I have been overseas to 38, 39 different countries. I have been a commentator. I've been a host. I've been the star of now a docu-series and reality TV. And um, I've been a producer, a director, an executive. I have been, you name it, I've done every job and done it for every company that has a W in it. Mm -hmm. I've done every style of wrestling. Uh, I've done shoot fighting. I've done catch wrestling. I've done Lucha Libre. Um, So come up with something that I haven't done. And then I'll ask you to do something. And if you don't want to do it, I'm never going to force you to do it because it's not going to work if it's not something that you're comfortable with doing. I will never. And and I, you know, explained that to my um, new new partner, Ed, uh, the other night. You know, he was, they uh, had a match and... um, Two guys were working, and one guy didn't want to take the finish of the other guy. And I went, oh, that's okay. Figure out an alternative. Because I'm not going to call that guy's bumps. Sure. You know, that's not that's not the place. I'm not the guy in the ring taking the bump, so therefore I'm not going to call it. You know, and I understand the rules better than they do of conduct and behavior. And I, and I still adhere to all of those. Not many people do in the business anymore. Other than Vince or myself, there aren't many that do. And um, because there used to be co- the, the, the business used to be ran like kind of like, kind of like the mob. I mean, you had rules of behavior and etiquette that were very specific, and they served very specific purposes to allow the conduct of the business so we all made money. And I still instill that on everyone. Is there any of those kind of uh, things that you learned growing up in the business, the, like from the mafia era? that you thought at the time were like, oh, I don't, why do we have to do this? And now you understand. Oh, why sure. We there were plenty. Yeah. Even just, you know, like we, I told the story about Ollie and Gene. Mm-hmm. I understand completely why they did what they did. Yeah. I get it. I, you know, I'm don't, I don't, condone, I don't do it now. I wouldn't do it to somebody, but cause I let the natural process of reality uh, and how hard you really have to work weed out the people that aren't going to want to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, just the nature of the beast. But, um, so I'm never going to intentionally do those things. But I understand why. I understand that you make a living in a very maligned, disrespected uh, form of entertainment that even the entertainment business kind of craps on and treats like it's the redheaded stepchild yeah. of, of entertainment. Like, oh, you're all carny. And no, we're not. Um, and you, you know, and, you're wanting to send all of these people that came down uh, to try out, to walk out of there telling everybody, oh, I, you know, wrestling's fake. Well, let me tell you what I had to go through just to try and get in. Yeah, right. Now you, you've, you're protecting, you know, your livelihood. Because for a lot of those guys when I first broke in, this was the only way they would function in normal society. Let me tell you. And, I, <laughs> I'm, and I'm not exaggerating. Like, that, in that sense, the business has changed. Okay, you know it, it. It hasn't changed really in many other. It's changed in some other ways, but the one big thing is that the talent these days, they're not the same as what they once were. Yeah. The, the 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 men that were in this business and the women too, God, they were terrifying. Women were terrifying, <laughs> worse <laughs> than the men. Um, 
they were some of the most eclectic, eccentric, and I mean really highly intelligent and creative people that you would ever want to meet. And they, they were also probably some of the most depraved degenerates that were also some of the most classiest because they could go in and have a conversation with the president of the United States, talk to him on his level, walk out, talk to the homeless guy on the street, and not make that homeless guy feel any less than what the president of the United States was. Mm -hmm. You know, they were fascinating individuals. And you knew, especially some of them, like if they weren't in the wrestling business, they weren't going to be a functional part of society. They'd probably be in prison somewhere, you know. And, you know, I, I say degenerates, and I'm, I say it with love, but, I mean, it was part of it. When you're living your life on the road 250, 300 days a year, you know, and you're that type of person, and you get addicted because the, the real art of professional wrestling is 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 physical storytelling within a, within a competitive situation, and um, but it's done in a manner to where you consciously are manipulating an audience, much like a magician manipulates objects to create an illusion. You're manipulating their emotions to bring them to a certain point to yeah. an, to what the term that everybody misuses pop. It's to pop their nut. It's to get them to feel, have an emotional orgasm. So, you know, you get addicted to that. And then you're in the car for, back in the day, three, four hours between towns or, you know, and you start, you never shut it off. So, yeah. you know, now you go in the restaurant, you see if you can get the waitress to sell. You know what I mean? Or you have a competition with the boys to see who can get the most waitresses to come to the table because the one gets weirded out and leaves, the next one comes in, gets weirded out, leaves, the next one, you know, you know, or, or like there was an older wrestler and he would purposely answer the door to every hotel room naked. Just, anybody would knock on the door just to see the reaction so they'd have a story when he got to the building that night of, you know, housekeeping and then you just, hey, <laughs> and see how they would react, you know what I mean? You know, uh, is walking back through the curtain um, after the bell rings like an incredibly lonely place? Oh God, yeah, yeah. It's it, living your life on the road is probably uh, like I explain, like I've told my wife, like I've spent the majority of my adult life alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a family. Shit, I got six kids. I'm my own overpopulation problem. I mean, <laughs> I have seven grandkids. I'm slowly building an army. The more we breed, at some point, I'm going to take over a small town in Iowa. Um, uh, right where they make that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, was, let's yeah, see, I might gonna, have a town for you. Yeah, I'm going to burn that to the ground. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, when you're out on the road, I mean, you're by yourself, and you're you know you're around the boys, but you're around the you're literally around everyone who is also competing with you at the same time, mm -hmm. and you're around a group of people. You're all working. You're all not working like I'm working on the railroad. You're all working each other. You're all working the office. You're all working the fans. And you're all shooting angles on each other. And you're literally playing poker and chess with every single person in that locker room yeah. and your employee, the people that employ you, the promoter. And they and it never stops. They know they know more about you guys than you know, they they think they do because okay. you make them think they do. Everybody's and working everyone's, everybody. They are, yeah. yeah. And you literally have a gimmick in the ring and you have a gimmick in the locker room. 
I had, I spent, I don't know how many years in the business and guys that were in the locker room with me didn't know I was married, didn't know I had kids, didn't know my real legal name, you know, and, and, and I didn't know theirs, you know, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know Chris Jericho was married and had kids, uh, you know, until I saw it on social media at some point a couple of years ago and I went, I didn't know that, weird. but it's, it's not but weird. It's somebody that you've known, well, you have separate lives yeah. and then that other life it's very it's very lonely and that you know and and i understand why a lot of a lot of uh both uh wrestlers and rock stars and performers you know that do live performances i understand why they, a lot of them i never did it never been a part of it and only just recently in the last few years even drank anything but i understand why a lot of people get caught up in the alcohol and the drugs and everything because the best and the and the worst and the most addictive drug is adrenaline, mm -hmm. and there is nothing that compares no. to walking out. And it doesn't matter if it's ten or ten thousand or, but it, you when you're a wrestler and you can walk out there in front of any number of people and you can make them stand up when you want them to stand up, sit when you want them to sit laugh when you want them to laugh, cry when you want them to cry, get excited, have them quiet, doing anything you want them to do when you want them to do it. That's the adrenaline. Yeah. And you walk back and now you got to wind down. You go from being there to where to Hulk Hogan to Terry Balea, you know, you go from being, and now you got to, yeah, you got to shut yeah. down, you got to shut down in the locker room. Then you got to go eat. Then you got to go back to the hotel and then it's going to take several hours to wind down and you're sitting in a, yet another room with four walls and nothing on TV. And your significant other is still complaining on the phone that you haven't been home for the last 14 days. You ain't going to be home for another three. You're going to get home for two and you're going to go back out and it's three. It's two o'clock in the morning, and you got to be up by six because you're gonna start the whole day over again. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, it sounds like I'm making a very dark, um, <coughs> excuse me, very dark, uh, dreary-looking uh, life of wrestling, but it's not. Like I hate like Dark Side of the Ring and and all of the in all of the social media and everything that everybody posts and. I hate all that stuff. Yeah. I just hate it. Because these are fascinating human stories, but they're not well, necessarily wrestling stories. Well, they are, but they're not so stories. negative. And they're not all negative. And the wrestling business, isn't. it's not all negative. I mean, I've been, I have done this for 41 years. And you know what the one thing I can say is I've never once regretted doing it. I would do it all again. Even the same way, I'd do it again with the same mistakes. I have had a blast. I've been blessed to get to do what I've gotten to do for as long as I've gotten to do it. And I've gotten to... Like, I'd never be here. I wouldn't be sitting here right now. You would not be talking to me. You would not care about what I have to say. I've been, I've been done things that you read about in books. I have literally swam in and the I North read Atlantic. Your book. Yeah. <laughs> I swam in the North Atlantic, 35 miles south of the North Pole. Not doing that again. But, you know, I was went to Iceland. I've been in, you know, vol volcanic tubes. I've been in South Africa. I've been on like five or six different safaris. I've been, you know, went to a boomba where you eat out in the middle of, you know, the plains of Africa. Um, you know, I've seen where the Indian and Atlantic Ocean meet on the very southern tip of South Africa. 
I've been to Australia, I've been to Tasmania, I've been to, I can go on and on. But that's all because I went and was, did this crazy thing where I fake fight other men in my underwear for money. <laughs> so, you know, it's been awesome. So I can't complain. And I hate it when I hear wrestlers come out and they go, oh, I've been doing this for X amount of years and blah, 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 blah. Like it's a cross that you have to bear. Yeah. Go home. Everybody's got, you know, their problems with their job. But it's, yeah, but it, what an awesome job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> come on. You know, what an awesome job and how ridiculous it is. I mean, we're not saving the world with any of this stuff. So we're just entertaining people and creating memories and having fun. I know that uh, my co-host Brian has a couple questions, sure, and then yeah. I had a couple more before we wrapped up. Sure. So, Brian, if you don't, if you want to... Ask away. Okay, so I, there's one thing that I've always wanted to know, and over the summer I ran into Jessica. At the we did the report. DNA test. We checked it. It's not happening, so... Uh, <laughs> I was so worried. I know. Me too. So I heard this story over the summer. I yeah. ran into Jessica at the Country Boy show. Yeah. Um, that's my wife. Yes. She's awesome. She is. Oh, man. And I am, she I had, am so lucky, I tell you. She is. She had She's such way a good too time. hot for me, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> she had such a good time telling me the story. I'd like to hear it from you. Um, when I was in college, yeah. I, I've been a wrestling fan going back to about the time that you got into the business. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you were in the middle of your WWF run okay. and I was working my job at the liquor store okay. and Monday Night Raw was on and you had a segment where you posted a phone number oh. <laughs> and me yeah. being you know did you call I did <laughs> yes. not necessarily busy at the time but curious mm. enough to see who was on the other end of that phone I did call yeah so Tim and Kim if you're listening I'm sorry for that long distance call that I made back in 1998 but I was wondering if you could mm -hmm. tell me who was on the other end of that phone <laughs> because they were completely in disbelief that I had called them and had no idea what's going on mm. so uh, I was doing the part I was involved in the infamous pepper uh, storyline where I had uh, Pepper the Chihuahua. Mm -hmm. um, can do you want him to tell how it ends or? I can, yeah. It didn't end well. Not for uh, Pepper. <laughs> well, not for Pepper, not for me either. But uh, uh, and I want to be. I want to make. I've made this aware. People aware of this story in the details, and I'm not making excuses because at the the number one rule, which was I wanted to title my book this, and the publisher was like, "No, nah, you're not gonna do that." I was like, but it makes sense. The number one rule I've learned in wrestling is you take shit and you make shoe polish every time. Doesn't matter what it is. Got shit, make shoe polish. Got shit, make shoe polish. Doesn't care how you do it. You just got to do it. So I take responsibility. So Vince Russo came to me. Going to make this kind of quick. Try to, anyways. Came to me after he'd seen the Son of Sam movie uh, where the killer was hearing voices from a chihuahua. And he's like, oh, you know, and I think at the time they were trying to kill the head um, because it, it was getting heat. Because I, I've i always been ahead of the curve. I got canceled before cancel culture was a thing. So yeah, you got pulled all of I your merch out of Walmart. Yeah, because <laughs> one woman who was an assistant professor of communications at a college in Kennesaw, Georgia. Who never watched a day of wrestling watched, in her life. Now, why do homework and actual any actual investigation? Let's just jump to conclusions. Yeah, you're not an educator or anything. You shouldn't. Ha you don't have On any communication, due diligence. Yeah. And let's expound our opinion in a public forum. And then, you know, you know corporate America just went... <gasps> and no, then, she just didn't like wrestling. That's all it was. I literally became a national news event for two weeks, which, thank you, lady. And you sold out all my dolls, my action figures. So... 
Uh, and funny, that's kind of how the uh, Salem Witch Trials started. But nah, we won't digress. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, free speech. Yay. Um, You're not saying anything as, worse than Stevie J said on here. Yeah, so. as long as I don't, you oh, know. No. Not even close. As long as I don't say something you don't like at the time. Um, it's free until you make me pay for it. Uh, the um, They were trying, I think, to get rid of the head. They gave me the dog. My words, exactly. When Vince Russo explained the whole kennel from hell match, I went, we're going to have highly trained animals, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. bro. Yeah, sure. bro. Right? And I love Vince dearly. So, And I, he, I've had this conversation with him on his podcast. So it's nothing I'm speaking out of turn. Uh, I said, well, give me the chihuahua. It's got to be a trained chihuahua. I can't. I've got to interact with this thing. Well, they call a veterinarian clinic. They get a list of owners in Detroit that own chihuahua puppies. Here comes the dog. It's not trained at all. So I just have to make do. Um, and they continue to bring Pepper back every single week. That dog was a mess because every time the pyro went off, it would climb up yeah. on my head and oh, piss. God. And, you know, Ray, I loved him dearly. He would purposely bring his nightstick out, hit the steps as I'm standing there with the dog, and it would just pee down my arm. And I'm like, <laughs> I know what match I want to do at the end of this. Pepper on the pole match. Um, like a tetherball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> needless to say, we didn't have trained animals at any part in this at all. And it, the match was horrendous. Uh, but I take responsibility for it. Um, so... They come to me at one point after uh, Boss Man has kidnapped my dog. And they go, look. Uh, Vince comes, walks up like typical, like he did with a deer. And he goes, hey, we need you to make a uh, have you seen poster. I go, what? He goes, we need you to make, you know, get a picture of Pepper and um, run it off some Xerox copies in the office. We need you to do a little promo where you, you're posting these posters. I go, okay. Yeah. I look at Meanie, Brian Heffer, and I go, every one of these posters have a phone number on them, don't they? He goes, yeah. I go, well, I ain't putting mine on there. He goes, I'm not putting mine. I go, hmm. Christian walks in. We're talking about it. He goes, put Val Venus's phone number on it. <laughs> I go, yeah. <laughs> so we do, we do the, I do the poster, right? And it. It plays on this. Uh, it plays on Sunday Night Heat, and we're in Philadelphia, okay, at a live event. They like you up there. Yeah, they they're they're okay, um, <laughs> and <laughs> we get along. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna try some of this while, while I'm telling this yeah, story. Yeah, let's, let's pour another. So one. Um, we are in Philadelphia, and they have they have monitors in the back, and Sunday Night Heat's on. And then that part of the show comes up, and Val Venus is sitting in the locker room, and I go, ooh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go stand in the hallway. <laughs> so I hid outside the door, and it only came up for a brief moment. Yeah. And I'm standing outside the door, and I hear yes, ring, ring, ring. <laughs> and he's like, what the hell? He answers the phone. And I hear the conversation. I'll never forget it to this day. And he's like, no, uh, I think you got the wrong. You need my mom. His mother bred dogs, bred puppies. So somebody called him, they just glimpsed this phone oh. number, called him, and were like asking about the dog. 
he thought they were calling him by mistake, mm-hmm. so he's directing them to his mom, <laughs> right? And I'm behind the door going, oh, shit. This is why wrestling fans are the best. You can't leave anything up so, for three seconds before somebody jumps on This it. is back in the day when, it, yeah. they, you know, to pause, I mean, yeah. to pause that would have taken. He might have like, just been taping it and rewound on his It was live. It. I mean, literally it aired and then the phone. That's what I mean. And yeah, I went. That, yeah, that's, that's incredible. How it was and I'm house. literally behind, I went, oh, shit. And I thought, man, I'm in trouble, right? <laughs> he never picked up on it. <laughs> So the, ne- so the next night, we drive from Philadelphia, we drive to Boston. This is raw. Ain't Sunday night heat anymore. This is live. Mm-hmm. Here comes Vince Russo. Bro, I need you to do the poster again. I go, what? He goes, yeah, bro, I need you to do the poster. We're going to do a live promo, um, and I need you to <laughs> do the poster again. I go, Okay. <laughs> I look at Meanie. Meanie's like, he goes, I go, yeah, we're doing the number again. So Christian and I are talking, and I've got the poster. I go, look, Val comes out of one of the other locker rooms. He goes, what are you guys doing? We go, well, nothing. That's fine. <laughs> right? Nearly <laughs> caught in the act. Nearly caught in the act. Bubba Dean, God, I'll never forget. Bubba Dean, he was such an awesome guy. He was a camera guy. And I go, Bubba. He goes, what, Al? I go, I'm going to show this poster. Every time I point at this phone number, I want you to zoom in. He goes, Al, is that your number? I go, no. <laughs> he goes, okay. okay. <laughs> I said, Producer no. Malachi, can you find a picture of uh, Val Venus's old phone number off the internet, please? We're going to call that after the show. <laughs> <laughs> I go, every time I point at it. For a minute and a half, I'm appealing to an audience with this poster. <laughs> Call me. And Bubba would just go right in on the number. And at that time, Raw is, and it probably still is, but it's probably like the highest rate oh, on it, TV. Oh, without a question. There yeah. were, on that was Monday back when we were drawing is, six but... and sevens on a Monday night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, that's the era of like the Mill- rock, Stone Cold. Millions of people mm-hmm. are watching this. <laughs> so, you had another question, Brian, right? Well, I, I don't get done. So, oh, we're still going? Yeah, oh, let's I'm, go, I'm baby. Almost, let's I'm go. I'm almost done. Let's I'm go. almost done. I apologize. <laughs> no, I, no, no. We were, I don't we, want it to take you, too you long. You are our guest. So, uh, do the show, right? And um, I think, I forget it was me, Bob Holly, maybe me. I don't know. I forget who was traveling. We were getting something to eat. It's like two in the morning, and ring. And it, you don't, you know, it was back before we had, and this was the transition from the national pagers mm-hmm. to the cell phone. So we all had a national pager and a cell phone. And I pick up the phone. I go, "Hello." And he goes, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he, you know, to Val's credit. He's laughing and he's like, "You asshole! I've got so many goddamn calls." And he had it. They had filled up all his voicemail, all of his uh, pager. They were then now. He and Test and Albert were like calling people. The people would call in. They'd have them do like talent things to see if they could be on Raw the next week. They started ribbing the people calling in. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, for 250 bucks, I'll bite you and slam your neck against the <laughs> it ring was, ropes. Uh, it was pretty uh, 
pretty good. So, yeah, nobody's ever gotten me back for that. So, thank God. Well, that was a good one. Val's still out there. He's contemplating. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure he's still. Yeah, it's going to take years to top that one. That one was that was good. I was right on live TV. Vince never caught it either. If he'd have got, he'd have gotten mad. Mr. McMahon? Oh, yeah. Vince McMahon. Oh, he would have. He'd have gotten mad. By the things I, I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, but by the things I mean, I've he, heard about him, he. He doesn't mind the ribs and things like that. Like, you know, that we went, everybody went through a spat of, um, it sounds silly, but you'd padlock people's gear and things, clothes. That's all, and, yeah. And, you know, and he finally, it got out of hand. That was one of mine in high school, actually. He was like, you know, hey, no more of that, you know. And so. Kurt Henning immediately went to a hardware store and got the biggest padlock he could find and padlocks his briefcase. And Vince just walked down and went, you got me. No, this is the last one. And it walked off. And everybody's like, yeah, well, that's it. That was all. That's the end of the padlocks. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, done there. So, Did you have another question, Brian? Uh, it was more of a story, but if you have a question, why don't you go ahead? I, I kind of... So this is a lot off topic of OVW a little bit, but there's this like narrative in the history of professional wrestling uh, where there's a guy, Marty Jannetty, who gets treated like he is, is not talented because he happened to be in a tag team with Shawn Michaels. Sure. Yeah. I was just hoping maybe that's, that's just like categorically not true. Not Marty, at all. Marty Jannetty's like one of, one of the great wrestlers Actually, from that time period. I and think in general, Sean wouldn't have been Sean if no, it hadn't been for Marty. No, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely not. I just wanted to, mm -hmm. if we could have a minute, I just wanted you to, to clear the air on mm -hmm. Marty Jannetty's really fucking good. And it's going to be... Beyond that. I, I don't want his legacy to be the Rockers. I've, I've said this numerous times, and I will say it again. I think, Mar you know, I was lucky to get to team with Marty and to you have an uh, inside point learned yeah. right. so much from him you know um he's so much better than and so much uh, more than what anybody would think mm -hmm. the, the, the the just and you know the only Marty's his own worst enemy yeah and only his enemy he's nobody else's enemy period I mean he's not um he's only been a detriment to himself no one else um but this will give you a good example of just how really, quite honestly, talented Marty is. Um, everything that's done with you is an investment of time, money, and effort. When you go up the ladder, that investment becomes exponentially greater. So when you're on a WWF or WWE type of level, it's immense. I mean, it's, it's in the amount of money that's put into you as a talent is incredible. So think about this. Marty is, holds the record of number of times that he has came in and then been released and then came back and then been released because Vince McMahon, who is a fairly intelligent guy, um, saw the value in him and knew uh, just what a commodity he was, and that's why he repeatedly gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Mm -hmm. Just it was just sad that Marty was self-destructive, you know. Um, and I don't want that to be Marty's legacy. Right. I want people to realize and know that if it had not been for Marty Jannetty, because Shawn Michaels was put with Marty Jannetty by a promoter to help carry Shawn Michaels along. Yeah. 
And if and Sean hadn't spent time with Marty, then Sean wouldn't be Sean and wouldn't know the things he knew. And Sean was just more adept backstage than Marty was and was less of a detriment to himself than Marty was as well. And you watch that early kind of Sean getting stuck with Marty. It's it's Mar- it's the Marty show. It is. It really is. Yeah. And it's in that's not of me complaining. I just I would hate with someone that's so immensely talented like that. I really would hate for that that verb, the Genetti, to become his to be legacy. the Marty Genetti yeah. of the team. Yeah, and that's and because you, that's not fair to him. There's been a lot of quote unquote Marty Genettis in teams. Marty Genetti was not a Marty Genetti. And most teams <laughs> consist of some of a dynamic like that. Right. In wrestling, you're going to have, you're always going to have a, um a sum that is greater than the the parts of the whole. You know, the two together individually at the time that they're put together aren't going to be an attraction. But for whatever reason, chemistry-wise and balance-wise, the two of them together fill a gap that the other doesn't have that needs to be filled that makes them into an attraction. Mm-hmm. The Dudleys, you know, they yeah, tried to sure, split them yeah. up and it didn't work at all until you know Bubba went to Impact and I was one of the guys that was a producer yeah. he started developing the Bully Ray direction and coming into his own but prior to that both he and Devon needed each other well and he probably would have never been able to breathe the way that the Bully Ray character needed mm-hmm. in ECW or in WWF it kind well, of took Impact well ECW he could have but it, you know in Impact in WWF no mm-hmm. I mean he you know, it, it, he would, but the problem was, even at that time, is that the the situation then is, it's good for the wrestlers, it's, it's great, but it's also bad, and that is these um, guaranteed contracts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... And I always say stuff that I know at some point he's going to get upset about, and maybe this will help, and you know, you guys will get clicks. No, that's um, what we're here for. We need all uh, the clicks. But, um, like, one of the other than that stupid seven-step formula that everybody's taught now, one of the biggest detriments to wrestling is the guaranteed or downside guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. It's awesome for the wrestler in the sense that they know they're going to get a certain amount of money. But it's terrible for the wrestler in the sense that they know they're going to get a certain amount of money because now they're job scared. And, you know, like you all, go, oh, so-and-so got fired. You can't get fired. That's not what the relationship is. Mm-hmm. Fired means you're an employee, okay? wrestler will never be an employee because a wrestler is a product. A wrestler is an entrepreneur, and the wrestler is an entrepreneur who sells a product, then the product just happens to be them. They enter into a business relationship with the promoter, and the promoter provides a platform, a commercial, mm-hmm. to allow them to sell the product. The more effective they are at selling their product, the more the promoter now can capitalize on and exploit what the wrestler is doing, and together they make money. It's a business relationship. It is not an employer-employee situation. The problem with the guaranteed or downside guarantees is that now the wrestler, if he's not the product, he's job scared. 
And he's afraid to take the creative chances when he's out there on the commercial to sell his product and therefore never really becomes a star. Mm-hmm. Now he's just doesn't want to upset the apple cart, doesn't want to get heat, doesn't want to lose his spot, just wants to play it safe. And if that were the case, the motivation to be more and be at the top of the card based on the percentage of what you would get paid goes away. Hmm. And you wouldn't have a Steve Austin if that were the case. You become less of an artist and more of an office worker. That's what it sounds like you're saying. Yep. And, And, you know, the big major difference in doing what as an entrepreneur or doing it or as uh, as a product you're an actual product is if you work for and there's nothing wrong with it at all but if you work for you work a job the agreement is this i'm going to perform a task for you you need my services and you're going to agree to pay me x amount of money per hour and then whatever number of hours I work, I'm entitled to get paid for, okay? The upside to that for you is you show up, and you know today, I just had a rough night last night. I really only feel like putting about 55, 60% in today. You're going to do 55, 60% effort, Mm -hmm. but you're gonna get 100% of your money. In this business, and especially, you know, period, in any entertainment business, you don't put 100% of your effort in, you don't get 100% of your money. No. Simple as that. But if you have a guaranteed contract, guess what you still get? 100% of your money. You yeah. still get 100% of your money. Well, now where's the, where do you take risks creatively? Where do you take chances to connect? You don't. You don't. Yeah, there's no incentive to do anything creative. Because you have something to lose. Where if you have nothing to lose, you got everything to gain, what are you going to do? Anything and everything to get it. That's right. And that's where I think some of these contracts are a detriment to the wrestling business. I want to give you a compliment, and then I want to follow it up with a question. The OVW women's division is probably the best-booked women's division in wrestling right now, even above the two big guys, oh, definitely okay. in some of the indies that I've uh, been lucky enough to see, you know, come across them land on fight. I've got two hours. I'll watch this, whatever. Um, the one thing that it seems like you guys don't have is you, and this is both a compliment and a question. Sure. You don't always have to center your women's stories around a belt. But mm-hmm. for wrestling fans, seeing a belt can signify a lot of things, especially where you guys have a lot of newer fans to the OVW product. Mm-hmm. It signifies automatically this is someone I need to pay attention to or that this thing is important. What do you think about the prospect of either women's tag belts in Ohio Valley Wrestling or a women's like secondary, like a Rush division or Kentucky Country Boy, like your guys' equivalent to that, but on on the uh, women's side of the roster? Well, we don't have enough of a roster of marketable women at the moment to be able to do that. Okay. That's That's the only reason. I mean, and... I wanted to hear it from you because because I'm I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan. Yeah, I... I've never, like, you know, um, I treat every, and I've trained tons. I mean, God, I don't know how many, I lost count of how many women I've trained, how many men I've trained. I have no idea. But the one thing I never do is I don't differentiate. doesn't matter to me. Um, You know, if you come to me and you go, well, I'm this, I'll go, and? We saw that in the documentary more than once. <laughs> yeah, 
I don't. I'm going. To, you're going to. You want to do this? I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to teach you. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to be blunt, and I'm going to be direct, and I'm going to do it for your benefit. I'm not going to do it to tear you down. I'm going to do it to help you be what you want to be and achieve what you want to achieve. Because at the end of the day, it's not because I'm magnanimous and, you know, I'm the Mother Teresa of wrestling, you know. Um, even though I'm tougher than her, I'm, she probably couldn't take a punch. Um, <laughs> she was a sucker for a left. Uh, you know, no. I. You want to, then here's the job. Here's what we have to do. And, like, to the point where, like, even when Beth Phoenix was here, like, we were the f first company to ever put women as a main event mm -hmm. on TV. I can't tell you the number of times that I, literally the girls saved the show. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we were the first company that had a women's ladder match. That was Beth Phoenix and, you know, and um, Katie Birchall. You know, nobody had ever done that before. Now everybody, oh, WWE, oh, they just, uh, shut up. We were doing that in OVW years ago. Yeah, and it's it's weird that we think that, like, oh, women can't compete. You know, <coughs> we're, we've, we're getting over that as wrestling fans, but OVW was doing it before. Because I don't care. If you can draw money and you're the thing that draws it, you're going to get the spot. Yeah, why would you not? In, We're exactly. in a money-making business. That's it. And, and if, you, if you can, you will. If you can't, you won't. Simple as that. You, you know, and I know how wrestlers will be like, oh, they did, you know, they're doing this. No, ain't that. The only thing I care about, I don't care about anything personal. I don't care about, I could hate your guts. Literally, like, want, I wouldn't piss on your gums if they were on fire. Okay. Some people have to pay for that. And li well, true. Yeah. And each to their own. Um, yeah. No judgment here. I, none at all. I could care less. Um, but at in the business, you draw money. Guess what I'm gonna do? Yep. I'm going to do whatever I can to facilitate and make that possible. Yep. I don't care if you're a guy. I don't care if you're a girl. I don't care if you're whatever you want to be. I don't care. It means nothing to me. Can you draw money? We're going to do business. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, I don't care what you do in your personal life. I don't care, you know, I don't care who your friends are. I don't care. Nothing. Can you draw money? Can we do business? Can, can I tell a story? Can I catch an audience and make them do what I want them to do? Well, then we're going to do it. If we can't, figure out a way to where we can. That's on you, not on me. I'm gonna come up. I'm gonna try to help you, and I'm gonna give you opportunities. But you got to do it. I can't do that part for you. Period. I know that you want to give me a general answer on this one, but I'm gonna ask for a specific answer. I don't give any general answer. <laughs> if you've noticed, I've given very specific answers on everything. Uh, this one just. This one's very even more specific. Than sure. Who is the most that of all the people you've worked with, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily in this most recent time with OVW, but in your time with OVW in general, all the times you spent with OVW the last several years, what? who is the person you're most proud of that you've worked with? Most proud of? Yeah. Seriously, honestly. Yeah. God, all of them. That's a good question. All of them. Do you know how cool it? Like I even remarked about this, and I've done it several times because you know at the time I didn't realize, you know. It didn't occur to me because you're so involved. Like, my job, my job is to do one thing. My job for OVW is to always identify what's wrong mm -hmm. and then 
How do we fix it? How do we make it better? Always. Doesn't matter, you know, uh, resource-wise, you know, I'm so used to doing so much with so little. It just is, what's wrong? How do we make it better? That's it. Why are you not getting over? What can I do? I can't do anything at this point. Maybe in a couple weeks, all of a sudden click, okay, let's see what we can do. Um, That's it. But it is, I am so proud of like when I think back, but even just recently of people that have come in and I could list names, but I don't want to list names and because I won't list a certain name, and then somebody will be like, <laughs> <laughs> and they all, and they all, they all get the boo-boo face. But they really, I mean, it's to have seen the development of so many, and especially recently, the number of people that have come in and have from where they were to where exponentially they have gotten, they like become stars. Mm-hmm. That's my they job. They really have. My job is to to instruct and direct and teach you to be a star. It's not to, hey, oh, you're going to learn to wrestle. I, I, I'll tell you right now, okay? Like when I broke into the wrestling business, there you were either a shooter, a hooker, not a prostitute like your mom. Um, <laughs> but hey, I'm not judging. Love I mean, you, mom. Um, yeah, you want to. Make your money the way you want. And hey, she was worth every penny. Anyways. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. I had a, gr- I had a group on. I had a group on. Um, <laughs> shooter, I'll hooker. I'll drink to that. Yeah, I'll take another shot. Uh, shooter, <laughs> hooker, uh, or you were an entertainer. Right. Okay. So the majority of the time that I spent early on in my career, I spent with Al Costello, who was a notable, noted hooker. Um, you know, he was not that good on his back. But... Uh, uh, and not that attractive. Um, so hooker is like it's like the old school word for like very technically proficient wrestler, right? No shooter. That is, would have been the old school. No shooters are amateur wrestlers. Okay. Shooters shoot in on you. They take you down. They tie you up. Hookers are catch wrestlers. Okay. They hook you. They hook a hole. They hook an ankle. They hook an, a wrist. They try to break bones. And amateur is like what like collegiate wrestling shooter. would be. Shooting. Shooter, yeah. Because they shoot. You know, okay. You know, okay. That's a big difference. Okay. Um, so I spent a lot of time with hookers. Well, you know, not, I mean, didn't pay for them. But anyways. Um, <laughs> you paid in different ways. I did in different ways. I mean, your mother called me constantly. Um, Happy birthday, Mom. I love you. Um, My mom's birthday was yesterday, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to unwrap this present. Um, I apologize in advance. I can teach you to wrestle. Seriously. Yeah. I can, I have literally forgotten, and it's not, I'm not bragging, I've forgotten more escapes, switches, reversals, takedowns, submissions. I'm not in the business of doing that. My business is to teach you to be a star, to be an attraction. Developmental for WWE was not to teach people how to wrestle. It was to teach them how to a star to be an attraction to capitalize on making a persona that you because the real stars the people that really draw money are always people whether it's wrestling or whatever that you can turn to your friends and family in a sentence or less can go you got to watch this there's this person there a b c d e Mm 
That's it. That's what I do. I don't try to teach to wrestle. I try to teach wrestlers how to work an audience and motivate them to want to pay to see them. Because a wrestler's job is to compete for the most valuable resource on earth. Not no. money. Not money? Time. Nope. What is it? It's attention. Okay. It's attention. Because corporations will spend billions of dollars for just seconds of your attention. Because if they can't get your attention, what can't they do? They can't get your money. And they can't sell you. Right. So a wrestler's job is to walk through that curtain, get your attention, keep it to the point that they motivate you to give your attention next week, the week after, and where you literally, especially this day and age, are willing to leave the comfort, safety, and security of your home, get in a car, drive to a place to where you pay to park your car, which is ridiculous, but good for them, they came up with a gimmick and we all got worked. (laughs) Pay to get into a building, to sit in a seat you really genuinely don't want to sit in, around people you don't want to sit around, you can ask listeners of this podcast, who do I hate anything more than wrestling fans? It's, Any fans. I, I hate. I, yeah, a, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. It can go be to movies, a basketball game. Basketball game. Yeah. Oh I, my here's, God. Here's I the hate fans. You're here's right. the difference with movies. You're in a darkened building in a leather recliner, and you don't even have to see the person sitting next to you. Mm-hmm. In a wrestling event, you're usually in a metal folding chair sitting right next to that person who clearly believed that the deodorant was 72 hours, <laughs> and it ain't. You know what I mean? You would avoid them in the aisle at Walmart, and now you're sitting there for three hours beside them. And guess what? Sometimes I hate them, but what makes it even better is when I turn to the parent, I'm like, yeah, this ref is fucking bullshit. What do you yeah. fucking, yeah. And like, they go, hell yeah. I'll whoop yeah. his ass in the parking lot. <laughs> you know? But that's, it's a tough job. I mean, it's really hard. And it's very challenging, especially these days when everything is always competing for your attention. Mm -hmm. So I'm not teaching you to do that. I'm teaching you to be a star. I want you to work people, not wrestle. I want you to go out and work an audience. Sell them on who you are. Sell them on why you're doing it. And then give me the ability to, because the only reason I'm telling any kind of story, like, you know, everybody, oh, they're so bopper for men and all that. You know, the only reason I'm doing that is to add gravity to the consequence of the win and loss. I'm trying to create a conflict because let's face it, you know, it's the holidays. So you're going to have these conversations about your cousins and your brothers and sisters and all at the family table and about, the fact that so-and-so did X, Y, Z, that then resulted in X, Y, your brother or your sister or your cousin getting angry in X, Y, Z, and now you're interested in seeing the conflict. Because yeah. there's, there's heat. That's all I'm doing when I 
come up with these ridiculous things where, you know, like Aaron Grider's dating Freya or Freya's I dating that, So that's our favorite. Yeah. One of our, like, I love your guys' big, you know, prestige, mm-hmm. you know, Jack Vaughn and Tony Gunn the past few weeks have been fucking incredible. Sure, yeah. You are also, you have such an incredible gift for that other part of wrestling that should be fun. And then also... And was it should be fun. Was it, it, was it fun? But yeah, it was a ton of fun. But also at the same time, Freya went from being super despised. Mm-hmm. 15 seconds later, she was one of the most loved people on that entire roster. It's just circumstantial. And still is. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's just circumstantial. You know, you, that's all it takes. And it, because that's real life. Yeah. As much yes, as you would, yes, it is. As much as you would love to believe, and I've learned that years ago, ages ago, how much of a baby face you think you are, you're a heel in somebody else's story. Yeah. You know what I mean? When, and hey, if you're not a heel, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> when I first kind of started getting into wrestling and realizing all of the nuance that wrestling actually could be, that was the thing that fascinated me about the world of wrestling the yeah. most is that these stories have all been going on for years and years and years, and I need to know everything that's happened in the past. And then also, that is the way that real life is. Yeah. is in every situation, you're not a baby face. In every situation, you're not a heel. But and wrestling plays in that. My, and, and this is just my personal opinion. I've, I've expounded on this at other times. But um, he's standing up now, probably getting a signal. Um, <laughs> everything in life is a story. Yeah. Your life is a story. And, and everything has a, and this will sound uh, morose, but it's a fact. Everything dies. Everything has an end. But everything has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And think about this, because we all hate when things come to an end. Why? When you read a book, you don't get a chance to read another book until that one book comes to an end. Mm-hmm. You don't get to watch another TV show until the one TV show comes to an end. And you're like, oh, God, I hate that that TV show. But, oh, shit. There's, and here's another one, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the same in life. I mean, you, you really, you know, you know, relationships, et cetera, they're all just stories. That's all they are. They have a beginning, they have a middle, and they have an end. And then you should celebrate what you had instead of mourning what you've lost. And then go on and tell another story. And okay. that is the, um, what would you say? The heartfelt moment of the podcast. So there you go. And on the way out here, Al. Um, At 60 I, years old, I think I've finally given away a little bit of wisdom. I do want to say. Other um, than how to put somebody's phone number on a poster. <laughs> self-help, your autobiography, one of the best wrestling books out there. Oh, Seriously. Um, thank you. There, I, there I, are, it didn't sell like it was. But <laughs> the ECW Press, you can find it on Amazon. Um, really, really good. You, there are parts of that where it's it's it 100 through it's 100 you and that's what i appreciate about it i was completely honest yeah. even the ugly stuff even and that's the other thing is yeah. i've read so many wrestling biographies where they touch on the ugly stuff and they Ooh. try to baby face themselves that was not you nope and uh, so seriously if uh, you're still looking for christmas gifts out here or you know big al snow fan or you loved this podcast with al you've never I heard know of there's him before three of you that are big al snow fan <laughs> out there, so. order order that book it's one of the best wrestling biographies ever and i then, think i think the best well, it's not the best. <laughs> but when everybody goes and, oh, I've got this relationship story, I think I got one in there that's... That's, yes. Yeah, you're not going to outdo that one. And Whenever that's actually, I break that one out. That's actually the specific <laughs> chapter I was talking about where I was just like, this man is... You You were honest 100% way through it. And, yeah, uh, that was a bad deal. I appreciate... <laughs> as a reader and as a fan, I really appreciate that. And there's so many wrestling biographies that will touch on something like that. And... 
skip right over it in a paragraph. You did not do that. You did not allow yourself to no, have I, the reprieve from it. And well, I really, here, I really appreciate that. Here's why. I also have learned a life lesson, and that is, I own every mistake I make. Mm -hmm. You know why? That way, nobody can ever use it again. Most me. of your book yeah. is actually about mistakes, mistakes that you've made. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the way out, if we could just plug that social media, sir. Oh, uh, the real Al Snow. Um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Um, the reason the real house knows is because I did have some fakes. And listen, I don't get upset. If you want to fake me and me, that's great. I'm just going to message you and go, look, aim the bar higher. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, if I were going to fake being a celebrity on social media, I'd be like Brad Pitt or, you know, uh, George Clooney or Neil Armstrong, something. I wouldn't be else, no. I mean, you're thinking uh, I'll slip under the radar. Nobody pays attention to him. You're right, they don't. But <laughs> I paid attention to you. So, you know, I'm not going to be upset. I'm just going to be like, what are you thinking, man? I mean, come on. <laughs> Clearly, you don't have a lot of aspirations in life. <laughs> so. Hey, guys, on the way out here, holidays are hard. Take care of yourself. Love each other. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Al. Yes, for coming and by love today. Yourself, so much. You know, and love yourself. Yeah, yes. I mean, holidays are hard. Never, you never do that enough. I mean, they have extra equipment these days. I mean, the marvel. Some of, of it's cheap science, and some of it's very expensive. And, and it might be worth it. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. I don't have a Groupon so for that. I just for his mom. That's it. Um,